Our Hebrew reading for today is from Amos chapter 5. Alas for you who desire the day of the Lord. Why do you want the day of the Lord? It is darkness, not light, as if someone fled from a lion and was met by a bear, or went into a house and rested a hand against the wall and was bitten by a snake. It is not the day of the Lord, darkness, not light, and gloom with no brightness in it. I hate, I despise your festivals, I take no delight in your solemn assemblies. Even though you offer me your burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. And the offerings of well-being of your fatted animals, I will not look upon them. Take away from me the noise of your songs, I will not listen to the melody of your harps. But let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And so now, gracious God, in these moments, may the words of my mouth, may the meditations of all of our hearts together in this place and in all places be found pleasing to you. O Lord, you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Why should we love our enemies? Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. once asked in a sermon at Dexter Avenue Baptist Church in Montgomery, Alabama. The first reason is fairly obvious, King said. Returning hate for hate multiplies hate adding deeper darkness to a night already devoid of the stars. Hate multiplies hate. Violence multiplies violence. And toughness multiplies toughness in a descending spiral of destruction. Darkness cannot drive out darkness, King said. Only light can do that. But where does this light come from that King spoke of so often? Jesus tells us that it comes from you and me. He said this quite simply to those gathered for the Sermon on the Mount when he looked out toward them and said, You are the light of the world. No one, after lighting a lamp, puts it under a basket. So let your light shine like a city on a hill that cannot be hid. Notice that Jesus doesn't give us instructions here on how we can maybe one day become the light. He doesn't give us a list of qualifications we must meet before he will begin billing our divine electric account. He simply says it, plain and simple, you are the light of the world. But if we take Jesus' words here and King's words here seriously... If darkness cannot drive out darkness, only light can do that. And if you and I have this light within us, then this divine spark within our souls is perhaps the most valuable, most important, most precious, most sacred part of who we are. And friends, I believe it is incumbent upon us as bearers of God's light to tend to this flame that is within us at all costs. 
And so the question I would like for us to consider together today is, how do we do that? How do we tend to the light that God has entrusted to each of us? Perhaps we can read today's gospel reading as a response to that question. Jesus tells a story one day and says, The kingdom of God is like ten young maidens who took oil lamps and went out to greet the bridegroom. But five of them were foolish and five of them were wise. The five who were wise brought extra jars of oil, knowing that the oil in their lamps wouldn't last through the night, so they had plenty stored up to keep them burning. But the five who were foolish did not. When the bridegroom didn't show up when they had expected and the night lingered on, everyone fell fast asleep. Until suddenly, in the middle of the night, someone yelled out, He's coming! He's almost here! Hurry! Let's get ready! So the ten maidens quickly jumped out of bed and started to get their lamps burning. But the foolish maidens realized their lamps wouldn't light. They hadn't saved up enough oil. They began to ask the other maidens to share some oil with them, but the wise maidens said no, there wouldn't be enough to go around. They would need to go out and get their own. So they scurried off frantically. I don't really know where you go buy oil in the middle of the night. But while they were away, the bridegroom came. And everyone who was there to greet him was welcomed into the wedding feast. But after that, the door was locked. Therefore, keep awake, verse 13 says, for you know neither the day nor the hour when he might arrive. It's interesting to me that this parable ends with this instruction to keep awake. Because everyone in the story, whether they are called wise or foolish, falls asleep. And they aren't faulted for that either. It seems to me the issue isn't whether or not they are awake, it's whether or not they are prepared. Whether or not they have enough oil for their lamps to be able to welcome the bridegroom when he comes. Now, we might think that the wise maidens should have been willing to share their oil with those who needed more. Wouldn't that have solved this whole fiasco and everyone could have gone into the wedding feast together? After all, didn't Jesus teach us just earlier in Matthew that if anyone wants to take our coat, we should give them our cloak as well? He said to give to everyone who begs from you and not to refuse anyone who wants to borrow from you. So are the five wise maidens just being stingy with their oil here? But I love what Bible scholar David Garland explains what is happening when he says, one might think that the wise maidens should have shared their supply of oil with those who were ill-prepared. But this parable is about spiritual preparedness and not the golden rule. And spiritual readiness is not something that can simply be transferred from one person to another. The point is that one must take steps to furnish oneself with oil before going to sleep. And I think Garland's words here are so true because try as we might, we can't do spiritual work for one another. 
We can't do each other's homework in the kingdom of God. Sure, we can teach, we can share, we can encourage, we can offer wisdom and insight, we can point the direction and light the way, but there comes a time for all of us in our spiritual journeys when there is inner work that only you and I can do, which is especially clear right now, isn't it? When so many of the ways in which our community would normally help to feed our lamps and light our way for one another are no longer feasible. Especially right now, friends, it is up to us to stay as close to the source of our light as possible and no one else can do this work for us. Friends, it has been a week, hasn't it? I admit, I had originally planned to preach on the Amos passage today. And God's call to let justice flow down like ever-flowing streams of water. It's a beautiful and important passage of scripture. And no matter what the results of the election had been this week, our work is still cut out for us, is it not? That message came in loud and clear. And as I, like many of you, stayed up late into the night, most evenings this week, awaiting the results of this election, looking at endless maps and projections and tallies of votes, I was reminded of something. I was reminded that if you and I are really going to do the hard and holy work of justice that God is calling us to do, then some of the most important spiritual work that we can do is to keep our lamps burning for the long nights that are ahead of us. The question is, what will that work look like for you and for me? Last year during the season of Advent, I had an idea in worship. Each week, I wanted to light a candle from the Advent wreath at the end of worship, and then I would walk to the back of the sanctuary carrying this light with me as I gave the benediction. I wanted to visually communicate our calling to carry this light with us into the world. Well, it was a beautiful idea in theory, (laughs) but it was pretty awkward the first week when I actually tried to do it. Because as was my normal practice, I was also holding my Bible and my notes, and I had a handheld microphone and all my reminders for after worship. And suddenly, as I began to give the benediction, I realized I didn't have an extra hand to carry the light out with me. And if I really wanted to do this, if I really wanted to carry the light, I knew I was going to have to set some other things down, to let some things go in order to do that. And so I figured that out. I set my stuff down, and I started sauntering down the aisle at a fairly quick pace to get to the back of the room so that I could greet everyone at the end of worship, when suddenly I looked down and realized that the flame had almost gone out because I was moving too quickly. So I stopped in the middle of the aisle and realized that I would need to slow way down and take it one step at a time walk much more intentionally in order to keep this flame burning. Well, then people started looking at me kind of funny because I was walking so slowly down the aisle, 
Couldn't I hurry things up so that they could get out and go to lunch already? Do you all remember the days when we used to go to lunch together after church? But perhaps people will look at us kind of funny when we choose to do things differently, when we set different priorities, when we make different choices in order to tend to the light that is within us. And maybe that's okay. You see, in these 60 seconds of learning to carry a candle with me down the aisle, I quickly realized that all of these things would be true for us if we hope to carry this light beyond the walls of the church, too. For instance, what are the things that you and I need to let go of to tend to this light that is within us? Or what all are you carrying these days, and what might you need to set down in order to tend to your soul? Are there ways you need to slow down to go about your day or your week more intentionally? Are there better boundaries you need to set, priorities you need to keep in order to keep your light burning? Are there spiritual practices you want to incorporate into your life that help tend to this fire that is within you? Are there people whose very presence and friendship in your life adds fuel to the flame? And likewise, are there people who sometimes take away your oxygen making it hard for your light to keep on flickering. Friends, how might we, like the maidens in Jesus' story, best be prepared with oil to keep our lamps burning long into the nights that are ahead of us? I can't tell you the answers to these questions. I think they look differently for all of us, and they change in different seasons, too. But what I can tell you is that learning to tend to our inner light is, I believe, the most important spiritual work that you and I will ever do. As a pastor friend of mine, Kendall Rothis, once said in a sermon, I think in the daily grind we almost forget that we are handling fire by mingling with God and brushing shoulders with the people of God. She said, there is this extraordinary power in our bodies, call it spirit, call it resurrection, call it this light that shines in the darkness, call it the face of Jesus Christ, but it has been entrusted to us, and it is by God's mercy that the fire hasn't burnt all of us up into ash. The only things we can really do as fire handlers, she says, are to keep a lookout for burning bushes as we walk throughout life to add fuel to our flames, to be reverent before a blaze, and to never, ever, ever substitute anything counterfeit for the real spark. You have to light a match beneath your soul to do the work of God. And so how do we go about striking that match for the long nights ahead of us. This is something I believe Martin Luther King Jr. and many other civil rights leaders knew how to do quite well. They knew they needed to light a match beneath their souls to fight the darkness they were up against, and oftentimes they would do this by singing. 
Civil rights leader Fannie Lou Hamer was best known for singing the song, This Little Light of Mine, at the end of all of her speeches as she fought relentlessly for voting rights. It was her signature song. As one person observed, you've never heard a room flying like one that Fannie Lou Hamer set afire. And after she was finished, you never needed to hear anybody else speak anything else. Over time, the song began, became an incredible act of resistance in the civil rights movement, which might seem odd to call such an innocent song defiant. But that's exactly how blues singer Betty Mae Fike said she felt when creating her classic version of This Little Light of Mine in 1963. She improvised the lyrics after a protest in which several of her friends had been attacked. I'm thinking to myself, how is this light going to shine when they're trying to put our lights out, she said. So I just started adding my oppressors to the song. Tell Jim Clark I'm going to let it shine. And as I added my oppressors, other people in the audience began to shout them out as well. Tell the KKK I'm going to let it shine. Tell the president I'm going to let it shine. And she said it was like we were being set free. The song continues to be significant in civil rights movements to this day. In 2017, a group of clergy and counter-protesters confronted this crowd of white supremacists and white nationalists who were marching and chanting with flags and tiki torches in Charlottesville, Virginia. We had originally said we were going to stand by silently, Reverend Osagifo Seiko said. But they were marching past us, cursing at us, and yelling homophobic slurs at us, and we wanted to change the atmosphere. I knew a song that could do that, he said, so I just broke out into this little light of mine. It was a beautiful moment that was actually captured on video. Clergy and other protesters are shown standing in a line. They're singing, rising up over the chants of white nationalists, screaming, you will not replace us. And as the song continued, the tensions went down. It shook them, Seku said. They didn't know what to do with that joy, but we weren't going to let the darkness have the last word. Friends, we have seen darkness this week, but we have also seen the collective power of so many little lights, haven't we? And if we are going to be people who keep up the work of actively fighting against the darkness, friends, we must tend to this little light we have within us. We never know where or when we may need it, but we always need to have our lamps ready, available to pull out of our pockets at a moment's notice. Now, you all have learned by now that I like to sing, and I'm sure that some of you are expecting me to start singing this little light of mine, but instead of singing it today, I would like for us to listen to the passion and the courage and the boldness of Fannie Lou Hamer as she sings it. As one person noted, nobody sang this little light of mine as Fannie Lou Hamer sang it. And so let's listen to Fannie together. Who knows, maybe this song will light a match beneath us too. 
Amen. Yes, no.